Welcome to the Not So Average Podcast. My name is Courtney and I built this podcast to deconstruct traditional advice and the idea of living an average life to inspire you to step into your power and be the creator of your own life. If you're also viewing living an average life as very boring and you're looking to upgrade your mind, body, and soul, then you're in the right place. I'm so glad to have you here. Subscribe to hear new episodes every Wednesday on all streaming platforms and let's jump into the episode. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to quickly announce that I am hosting a free training that I'm so excited about next Tuesday at 7 p.m. We are getting unstuck mind, body, and soul. So if you're looking to enter your confident era, this is what it's all about. We're building unshakable confidence in this one hour live free training and I want to see you there even if you just know that there's something in you even just a tiny spark that knows that you're meant for more and you're intrigued by living an average life maybe you listen to this podcast every week but you're feeling a little stuck in where to turn I've been there and that's why we're here so you're in the right place I recognize there's very pivotal things that have held me back and kept me playing small for so many years and I've developed tactics to help you save time and the struggle so that you can get out of your own way as well. So if you want to join, grab your spot. The link is in the show notes. I would absolutely love to see you there. Throw this in your calendar so that you don't forget. Grab your notebook, a pen, your favorite beverage of choice, and let's become the best fucking versions of ourselves. I would love to see you there. Again, it would mean so much to see you all there. The link is in the show notes to sign up, and let's dive into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Not So Average podcast. I'm so excited to be bringing you a special guest this week. I have Lucy Cullen here, who is a business coach, serial entrepreneur, award-winning environmental Environmentalist and witch. She has launched four companies over nine years, including two of their first kind businesses in Canada. Her businesses have saved over 400,000 pounds of food waste from going to landfills, and she was named top 30 under 30 in sustainability. Lucy has coached over 300 entrepreneurs all over the world, helping them launch, grow their businesses, and get their investments, and has supported them in raising 20 plus million in capital, as well as Lucy is an expert advisor on impact entrepreneurship for the Canadian federal government and the United Nations, helping to build their programs that support entrepreneurs who are solving social and environmental problems. In her spare time, Lucy runs a coven for entrepreneurs, weaving magic into business and also plays the saxophone in an eight-piece disco funk band called Human Magic. Lucy, welcome to the Not So Average podcast. Thank you so much for having me and for the lovely introduction. Of course. I'm so excited to have you here. I guess I can quickly share that we met through a mutual friend online and we realized we both live in Toronto. We're like, oh my God, we have to connect. And here we are. <laughs> and here we are. We went to a class together yes. at Jaybird, which was a lot of fun. We had a we had a little matcha moment in Trinity Bellwoods, a nearby park afterwards. And yeah, we just connected and it's been, it's been great. It's been lovely. I've been obsessed with that pistachio matcha at Cafe 23 Cents. It's my ride or die now. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally my favorite thing ever, but I want to dive into the good stuff. I want to know, first off, the witchy stuff. Everyone's going to be asking, like, how did you get involved in this? I want to know your history there. And then we're going to dive into all the business stuff. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, it's, I've always been interested in that. So my, I grew up going to crystal shops and I remember I had, like my mom would bring me to crystal shows, like gem shows. And 
when I got my first moon cycle, like when I got my period, my mom, she, she gifted me a necklace with a whole bunch of crystals that were symbolic of becoming a woman. And she had a dinner where, uh, a number of my friends and their moms all came to kind of celebrate me becoming a woman. At the time I was mortified and I was like, no mom, don't look at me. I don't want anyone to know, but it's so wonderfully magical. And then as I grew older, even into like middle school, high school, I would make so many of my projects around the history of witchcraft and spell work. And I remember I like, going to witches' houses and interviewing them to learn about this practice. And I think a part of me was almost in denial a little bit where I was like, I'm not, I'm not a witch. I'm not really into this myself, but I want to learn about it. And as I got older, I was like, no, this is so me. And even back to my childhood really quickly, just because I think this is kind of fun. Like I remember having a spell book that said that the most magical hour is at midnight. And I remember being like, I mean, I was old enough to read, but I was not old enough to be staying up till midnight. And I'm like, I'm going to stay up till midnight because it's the most magical hour. And in my head, I thought that like fairies came (laughs) out of the wall and it was this like crazy thing. But yeah. And then as I became older, I just really realized how much it is a part of me and how much that really resonates with me. Because when like witchcraft, spirituality, paganism, like it's, I mean, and like Wicca as well, it's when you're a witch, it is very much a choose your own adventure practice, which is something I love about it. So the way that I do my practice is going to be really different from the way someone else does theirs. And that's a really beautiful thing. But for me, it's what it's really about is it's it's not about me flying around on a broomstick like, you know, I wish I could do that. That'd be sick. But it's not about that. It's just about me using tools like candles to set an intention, visualize the outcome, and then just have faith that it's going to happen. So I'm not in my head all the time, like white knuckling life, being like, oh my God, like stress out about a certain outcome. Like, no, I set the intention. It's going to happen in some shape or form. And that's great. And it ultimately what it does for me is it brings me peace and also just yeah, having having faith and feeling good about what I'm doing, I think, like I have a couple more points on this because actually a great example for any listeners who are not familiar with some of these practices would be your birthday candles. That is such a great example of candle magic. Like you are using the tool of a candle to set an intention, visualize the outcome, you blow out the candle, off it goes to the universe, let's hope that happens. Um, and that's really what that practice is like for me. And cause it, it like, yeah, being a witch gets, it's more and more accepted now in mainstream society, but it still gets a bad rap in a lot of, a lot of ways. Um, and which that's a whole other conversation around the history of witchcraft that, I mean, I'll be honest, like I've got some knowledge on that, uh, but it's just, yeah, it's just a beautiful spiritual practice. And I I started a coven for entrepreneurs maybe two years ago because we just really realized how important it is to have sisterhood, to have support. And we spend a lot of time talking about real business strategy. Don't get me wrong. But like one of us has a launch coming up. We'll come up with a spell for her to kind of support her through that launch and ultimately what she's doing is practicing mindfulness and visualizing the outcome, 
And there's so much data to support that when you visualize something, like Harvard did a study on this, you visualize something, you increase the likelihood that you're going to achieve it. And that's really what we're doing. But in like, instead of, I don't know, a vision board, we're using candles and other witchy things. Yeah. It's just a different pa- pa- like packaging or labeling too than other practices, right? Like it doesn't sound actually that far off from what I do in my day-to-day life, but I just don't call it witchcraft. And it's like so great to have those open conversations, debunk some of the myths. No, you don't fly around on broomsticks. But, you know, I think the best example that I heard at an, uh, an event the other week, I went to this it was a workshop with Yasmin Boland and she was talking about manifesting with moonology and she was talking about witchcraft and things like that. And she was talking about the scene. If you guys have ever seen outlander where they think Claire, one of the main characters is a witch because she's bringing essentially modern day medicines into the past. She's like a time traveler and they were trying to burn her at the stake because they perceived those abilities basically as very dangerous and so that was kind of one of her examples that she used and I love that that idea was kind of what people can maybe latch on to understanding some of the history of witchcraft and it's perceivingly dangerous capabilities because it's so powerful um but I feel like for a lot of people who are into manifestation and spirituality and things like that they actually probably can really relate (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so similar in so many ways. We're just using different words that resonate with different people. I, and that's not me trying to discount the history behind some of these practices at all. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of rich history and for anyone who's keen on learning more, there's, I mean, you can do a quick Google. There's so like, look on YouTube, there's so many resources. So I'm not trying to discount it that like, you know, manifestation is the exact same thing as witchcraft. There are differences. There is history there. And there's also a lot of politics involved mm-hmm. and around religion yeah. and how, you know, the church tried to wipe out the pagans and look, there's, there's a lot yeah. there, but just at a high level. Yeah. It like, I couldn't agree more. There is a lot that is similar and it's all around our mindset and how we are thinking about what we want to achieve and what we want to feel. Yeah. Like both of those things together. So if it's in, anyone listening, if it interests you, I would encourage you just to go to go learn about it because mm. it's if manifestation resonates with you and like having rituals with friends, whether it's just like a little meditation practice or whatever, if you're into that, go. You might be into witchcraft. Who knows? You might be a witch. Hundred <laughs> percent. You might be a witch, and you didn't even know it. I love it. I feel like there's this book called um, "Everything Is Fucked" by Mark Manson. He's also the author who wrote um, "The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck." But he talks about how basically, as humans, we just want something to latch onto that gives us that hope and that faith and that kind of higher power to make sense of this world. And so, for some people, it's witchcraft. Some people, it's religion. Some people, it's spirituality. Whatever it is, right? We all kind of find our different powerful capabilities through different resources and different labels. I call myself woo woo because I don't like labeling anything. It's just like, I believe it at all. You know, I like the higher power stuff, but you know, it is one of those things that I feel very intuitive. I feel very, I know when shit's going to happen sometimes before it does. And I don't know how to explain those abilities, but I just call it intuitive intuition. Right. And yeah, I mean, it's your intuition of all the bullshit that's happening in this world. <laughs> we're just trying to show up as be like as humans navigating this weird thing called life. And also just because I love that you noted intuition. Mm-hmm. I've heard people 
use the word intuition Ooh, okay. as well, like using your intuition. So I, I've seen that online, which is kind of That's kind fun. Of fun. Yeah. So I want to know your history a little bit more for the listeners who haven't come across your work yet. Obviously, we dove into all the different businesses that you've helped coach and scale and get funding and all of that. But I'd love to know kind of like who Lucy was like prior to entering business and how we how we got here. How did we get here? Well, I mean, I I started my first business when I was 21. So we're going, I'm 30 now. Um turning 31 in two weeks. Woo! <laughs> but so before that, we're looking at Lucy who you know, was in university, working in restaurants. Cause I, so in high school, I went to an arts high school and I went to Etobicoke School of the Arts. If anyone's in Toronto, you might know it, where you have to audition to be in this art school. And so I was a music major and I played saxophone. My mom really wanted me to become a professional jazz musician. So I did very intense music lessons from the age of seven till 18. I did a lot, like there was for the entire period I was in high school, because I was doing music lessons in high school, plus on my weekends at Humber College Community Music School, which is an incredible music program. It's like probably the best jazz program. And I was doing upwards of nine hours of music lessons every week for all of high school. So like I was on track to becoming a professional musician. And I honestly, I was like, I don't like practicing for five hours a day that's so boring like I I was the only girl at my music school out of all of the ages which I was really comfortable with I didn't really like it didn't bother me at all um and but the thing is is I didn't have the interest that everyone that I played with to like be geeking out over music and practicing all the time. I liked playing with people and having fun with it. Playing saxophone on your own, I personally found really boring. And when I looked around and I also saw like all of these incredible musicians, they're spending their Saturdays teaching kids, which is a beautiful thing. They're supporting new budding musicians, but I didn't geek out over music the way that my peers did. And I was like, okay, this isn't really for me. I want to keep playing, but I don't really want to be a professional musician. And certainly not one that is going to struggle financially because everyone around me was struggling financially. And that was a big thing for me. And when I was in high school, I, and this all relates to kind of where I'm at now. When I was in high school, I saw a documentary called Shark Water. It changed my life. It's about the shark finning industry. It's a documentary by Rob Stewart, who's a Toronto filmmaker, not, not the singer. Um, uh, and it changed my life. And I like, all of a sudden was like, holy shit, we need to stop this problem. I made every project about shark finning. I annoyed all my friends because I didn't shut up about it. And ultimately that directed me down the path of environmentalism, which is what I went to high uh, university for. So I pursued environmental studies, uh, double major with anthropology, I ended up connecting with Rob Stewart in life much later, and I was going to support him in making Sharkwater 2, but he died tragically during the filming of it. Um, yeah, which is which was awful, and it's a terrible diving accident. But I actually ran into him randomly at a music festival, like in the crowd, and I basically cried because I was like, oh my God, you're my number one hero. Um, and yeah, and then I, I pursued environmentalism. And while I was in university, 
I like I had no interest in entrepreneurship. I was like, I want to be an environmentalist and I want to propel positive change. When I was in university, I was working in the hospitality industry throughout. So I worked events, hotels, restaurants, you name it. I did it. I worked as a cook, manager, whatever. And I grew so annoyed with the amount of food I was throwing out every single day. And I did not want to be like Lucy running around telling everyone to compost because A, who wants to hang around with, like who wants to hang around with that person? B, that's not really going to make a systematic change. That's not going to propel change at a high level at all. So I had an idea where I was like, okay, I'm seeing ways that we can shift the industry for the better and create different systematic norms that reduce the amount of waste that is going to landfills. So like we're looking at waste contracts. We're looking at how the bins setups are placed. We're looking at doing a waste audit. Like there's all these different things. And that idea, when I was like, okay, I want to do this. I approached my manager where I was working at the time and he was really supportive of it. I was like, I've got an idea for a sustainability project. And I started to do that. And then I realized no one else was doing this in Canada at all. And it just snowballed into my first business. And I figured out how to do it. I got a co-founder and we just went, okay, well, no one else is doing this. And I guess we should have a name and I guess we should incorporate. And it just happened. And it was through that experience that I realized, oh, this, I love this. And there is a place to create businesses that have a huge positive impact on the world. And I found my love for impact entrepreneurship, which is, you know, building a business that solves a social or environmental problem. So like businesses that help save plastic waste, like there's such an, there's a place for that. And that is the future of business. Like we are seeing a future where Every single business is an impact business. And if you're not, you're, you're getting, you're getting left behind. And it was, that was nine years ago, 21, when I started my first company and then that, yeah, that just everything unfolded after that, starting multiple companies, because I got really, I realized I'm really good at starting businesses that are brand new to the market. Terrace, the sustainability company that helped restaurants reduce waste and save money. My first one, that was, we were five years too early for the market um, we were before our time. So everyone had, everyone wanted our help. No one wanted to pay us for it. Like we had huge companies like McDonald's I was taking meetings with. And then, um, my third company, Earth Pub, was also first of its kind. We took food that is usually discarded. It's perfectly good. And we upcycle it into healthy, natural dog treats. That was also the first company of its kind in Canada. And we built a, like, a totally brand new supply chain. And I won't get into all the boring details of that, but I realized I'm really good at like making companies that are really hard to, to start because they're brand new to a market. And through that, and like all of my experiences doing that and coaching other entrepreneurs and how to do it as well. Like I've had the honor of supporting some incredible startups. So cool. I, actually listen to Sif Hyder, who is the creator of Array, if you know that supplement company. And she talked about how she gave this really great tip at a conference I went to where she 
said that all of the business ideas she comes from usually comes from a level of being pissed off where she'll be walking around going through life, whatever. And she'll be like, why hasn't someone solved this? And she'll write down the idea or the problem or whatever, that kind of gap in the market in a, in a notes in her phone. Anytime she has those little ideas, because at its core entrepreneurship is like solving some sort of problem, right? Whether it's yeah. the variety of different problems is is random and vast, right? But when you know that you care about, let's say, environmentalism, for example, in your case, it's like suddenly you're seeing these problems that you're looking around like, why hasn't anyone solved this? And then so you're like, great, let me be the one to come up with the solution to this, right? And I think that that's so cool. Yeah. It creates such a level of creativity and it's it's kind of fun because when you it sounds like when you started out into the entrepreneurial journey when you were 21 you didn't really know what you're signing up for you kind of just got into that idea you kind of got that like nudge to investigate and suddenly it snowballed into a total different direction than maybe what you thought you were going into now turning 31 10 years later going how did we get <laughs> here it's like you followed a nudge that unleashed this whole different path that hadn't had you not followed the nudge, maybe you wouldn't be where you are. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, and I, I wanted to touch on something you briefly just mentioned around solving a problem. Cause yeah, I couldn't agree more. And every entrepreneur, you are solving a problem. If you have trouble articulating that, or you're not sure what it is, that is your, this is your call to dive deeper because any problem that you are solving like for EarthPat, my dog treat company, we are solving the problem that one third of food is wasted globally. And that 47% of food in the food waste in the supply chain is wasted at the manufacturing and production stage of the supply chain. And so every entrepreneur, whether you're solving a social problem, an environmental problem, or whatever, there is a data-driven problem that you are helping to solve. And it's that's the first thing when I work with any entrepreneur, that's the first thing we get clarity on. Because that is the guiding, like, that's the guiding light. That and in addition to their why is the guiding light for everything when it comes to building their business. And for the nudge, yeah, I I don't know what would have happened if I didn't listen to that. But it's because it, it, it propelled everything else Crazy. in my life. And I, like, and even now, I... I really wanted to do more environmental stuff. Like I love supporting entrepreneurs and on my, in my spare time on a, like in a volunteer capacity, I do advisory. Um, like I'm on a policy council. Cause I do believe that from an environmental perspective specifically change needs to come from the policy level. So I'd still do a lot of that. I like, I flex that environmentalist muscle in that way um, outside of environmental companies I'm working with. But I like back to when I was 21 and listening to that nudge, like I just knew like there was not a doubt in my mind that I shouldn't go for mm -hmm. it. I have my partner says I've got race car energy. <laughs> like I love like if I'm like I'm going to do something, I'm doing it full throttle. I'm doing it 110 percent. I don't care what issues come up like I'm figuring it out and I'm getting it done. And there's no other option. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm feeling self-doubt, like, can I do this? And I actually just earlier today, I filmed a podcast episode noting the imposter syndrome I felt when I first started my first company, but that didn't stop me because I was like, this has to get done. This yeah. problem and the solution I foresee for this is so much bigger than my imposter syndrome or my self-doubt or my even just 
pausing to rethink if I should do this or not. No, like the problem of food waste is so much greater. We need to save the world. Like, and so that's certainly the headspace that I was in at the time. Totally. When you're like serving a higher purpose and in a larger capacity where it's really digging into something you deeply care about and that you may consider as something that's part of your purpose on this planet. Um, when you get into those ego-driven blocks, I, I experienced it myself. I just shared on my stories this morning about how the last couple of days I've gone down that doubt spiral, right? But mm. it's funny how when you're connected to a larger purpose, your ego is such a small little voice when you look at the bigger vision of what you're trying to contribute to our world. And just because you don't have it figured out, like in this moment, doesn't mean that you're not contributing such a bigger thing. And it's kind of real requires to you to get out of outside of yourself to be able to continue because if we just allow our ego yeah. to block us like if you think of the way that I like to categorize this it's because I've heard it from someone else they said what if your favorite creator or podcaster or author never pursued their endeavors the person that maybe changed your life like the guy who created that documentary if he hadn't followed his pursuits maybe you wouldn't be who you are today and I love this idea because it was like oh my god well for me it's Lauren Bostick she's my top idol and if she listened to all of her bullshit that her negative self-talk is telling her she wouldn't have been able to influence me and the millions of others women that I'm sure she's influenced right so it's I love that and I think that I would love to stay on this self-doubt and entrepreneurship and things that block us because obviously you coach so many different entrepreneurs I'm curious of like what's maybe the top three things that you notice that a lot of entrepreneurs are struggling with when they're first getting started Ooh, what a good question so I mean imposter syndrome would certainly be number one like they don't know if they can do this are they capable and I'm gonna go into each one individually but imposter syndrome they don't know where to start and they're scared of growth. So like once they start, they're, they're scared of scaling it. So diving into each one, yeah, imposter syndrome, which is something all entrepreneurs deal with because like it's, it's not the same thing as I'm going to go get a job and I'm going to work my way up in the company and climb the corporate ladder and I'm going to have support and someone showing me how to, you know, do my job, whatever. Of course, it doesn't happen in all jobs. But like when you go the corporate route, if that's what you choose to do, great. Not everyone needs to be an entrepreneur, but great if you do. You've got support in doing your job. You've got a nine to five, you clock in and out, you got a regular paycheck. It is reliable. It's dependable. It's like a perceived path right? Is that, I want to like really break it down for people. If they maybe are working nine to five, they've never been an entrepreneur. I think that there's comfortability in a perceived path Mm. to success. And with entrepreneurship, there isn't that there might be, you know, general like formulas for success based on whatever, like history of other companies. But when it comes to you as a personal solo entrepreneur, it can be really difficult to figure out like, okay, I I have this vision, but what does success look like to me? And how do I get there? It's not as clear as like, this is what you got to do. And with these bi-weekly check-ins with your manager and these, you know, bi-annual, like, reviews of your position and negotiating raises like you're supported in a different way with a different perceived path when you're an entrepreneur that doesn't exist 
That is exactly it. Like if you're working a nine to five job, the path is clear for you. The opportunities for growth are clear for you. Entrepreneurship is not that. Entrepreneurship is like someone giving you a a blank map and being like, figure it out. And that's why people like me exist, business coaches and, you know, programs that teach you how to launch a business. Because when I first started Terrius, my first company, I was like, should I go get an MBA? Oh my God, I didn't. I thought about that for five seconds and then I figured it out. But that's the thing about entrepreneurship is that the path isn't very clear and it feels really scary you going into that, not really yet knowing what you're getting into, but because it, it also has the highest highs and the lowest lows entrepreneurship. And that's so true, but it is so deeply rewarding when you couple strategy, like real strategy. There's a lot of entrepreneurs I talk to who they they lead with their emotions first, which can be really good in some cases, not so great in some others. But when you couple strategy with operations and like having the systems you need in place, plus guidance or mentorship in addition to community, ah, oh, like those four things, that's the winning combo, babe. That's all you need, whether it's with me or someone else that you align with that can support you to get there. That's really what you need. And actually that kind of encompasses the three things that I was just talking about. So like imposter syndrome, because like you can do it. And if you find a problem, if you're the one that you were the one to find the problem and you thought about the solution, you were the one to do it. So go for it. And any problems that you have, imposter syndrome, doubt, whatever, there are things available to you to support you through that. And like that could even just be a meditation on YouTube about self-doubt. Awesome. And So there's the imposter syndrome piece. There's the, oh my gosh, I'm already forgetting the three things I said earlier. And then also scared of growth, I think is another big one because when you start your business, you get, and like, let's say you make, you know, you make your first like 50 grand. Awesome. And you're getting ready to get to the next level. And that next level requires different systems. It requires mm. hiring people. It's the upper limit, requires- right? The upper limit theory exactly. of the where it's like you receive, you get to the specific level and you basically self-sabotage out of it because something in you tells you that you don't know this next level. Maybe it's way higher than you ever could have imagined. A lot of people get blocked with this when it comes to money. I know I did back mm. in my previous different entrepreneurial, you know, endeavors and it's interesting how people kind of shut down at that opportunity to level up because they hit that upper limit and they let it, they kind of go back into their playing small because they're like, I can't do this. Right. And they allow all the three things that you just said to encompass them into deciding to maybe this isn't meant for them when maybe they were like, it's like that little image with the gold mine where they're hitting it and hitting it and they're not quite there. But then if they just hit once more, they would have found the gold, but they gave up before them. Oh, I love that analogy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, okay, you I'm can gonna, take it. It's on I'm mine. Gonna my, <laughs> I'm going to put that in my, my, I don't know, brain bookmarks and <laughs> remember that. That's great. It's, but that's exactly what I was getting at is the gay Hendrix upper limit um, concept. And you put it perfectly because it's the thing is, it's like with any company that's growing, anyone, doesn't matter the industry. Like I've worked in with companies in all industries, tech, fashion, furniture, construction. Like I was on a call today with someone who just patented a dent, like a solution for the dent- dental industry. Amazing. <laughs> and like, and it's, and they're coming from Iran to Canada. They're bringing their solution here. It's a brand new thing that it's super cool. Um, but 
they all deal with the same problem as they grow mm-hmm. in that they, the systems that worked for them at one point no longer work for them because they're, they're growing. So the systems like, this is a negative way to put it, but it's true. The systems break and you need to rebuild it. So it's ready to get to the next level. And that happens at every stage of building a company, mm-hmm. whether you're a $10,000 company, 5 million, 1 billion, it doesn't matter. You are constantly, it's like going up a set of a, a staircase. Yeah. And it's energetically it's different, right? Like level. if you think of just any yeah. self-development or personal growth journey, your new level is going to require different actions, different habits, different ways of thinking. And, you know, the way that a professional athlete might change when they're in high school is going to be different than when they're in the NBA or when they've played five seasons, mm. right? They have one seasons. That's important to know because we can't be all or nothing all the time. I think that's really important as entrepreneurs of playing the long game, not the short game. And as well being understanding that like what worked for you in the past might not be working for you because you're in a different playing field and that's kind of exciting but it requires a new level version of you and I think the idea of grit is so crucial in success when it comes to business because the people who stay gritty and they stay focused on that regardless of how it impacts their feelings because it can be really hard to be realizing that maybe what you had built before isn't working anymore this, I come into yeah. conversations with women all the time of like, but I got to this point and suddenly it's not working anymore. And I believe from an energetic level that this friction is being caused because it's forcing you to grow. But so many of us are stuck in our ways and we let our ego get in the way of it, whether that's professionally, business-wise, within any areas of our life, we can either choose the challenge and buckle the fuck up or we cower. I could not agree more. And I've certainly been guilty of that as well, where I'm like, okay, this thing I was doing is no longer working. And yeah, it's an opportunity for growth. And I think that that mental reframe is so deeply important in entrepreneurship and really for anyone. Like when you are approaching a situation where, yeah, something's not working for you anymore, or you're rejected from something, maybe you didn't get, like as an example, um, I have a, a good friend who didn't get a grant she applied for that she was really relying on for her business. And I mean, to be honest, if anyone's going after grants, this is for the entrepreneurs, never rely on them fully for your business. That's not what they're there for. They're supplementary, but she was relying on it for her business and she didn't get it. And so what she was doing was no longer working with regards to like grant applications, what she was hoping for. And I believe so strongly that rejection is protection and redirection. And I think that's that's kind of an add-on to your point, which I couldn't agree on more, that, yeah, like if something's not working for you anymore or you're feeling stuck, it is an opportunity for growth. And rather than sinking into the feeling like, oh, no, this is bad, woe is me, which like, don't get me wrong. I don't think we should all be walking around being super positive all the time with toxic positivity. Feel your feelings. Give yourself a moment. This sucks. This is not what I wanted. And then find the silver lining. What is the opportunity for growth? What is the redirection here? And I've got so many stories on that topic, but (laughs) have your pity party, cry it out. And then you get the fuck back up, right? It just is what it is when it comes to being gritty. And when it comes to like the pursuit of quote unquote success, because literally anyone who's been successful will tell you that their quote unquote failures were learning lessons that were required 
for their journey to unravel the way that it did. Like you talk to whoever the big, like the number one, when I think of number one successful people. I think of like Oprah Winfrey and Elon Musk and LeBron James yeah. or whoever. Right. I don't know why LeBron James came to mind. Maybe because he's the hottest one out of all of them, but you know, it's just <laughs> one of those things where I would say Oprah has. <laughs> no, I mean the athletes, the athletes I was thinking of. Cause I feel like Michael oh. Jordan's probably actually the go when it comes to basketball, but LeBron James is really hot. So that's where my brain goes. But I think of no <laughs> as next opportunity. And I think that rejection really mm. redirection. And anytime that we're faced with friction, it's just another opportunity to grow, whether that's in business or in life. And I think that it's really important mm. to for anyone listening, even if you're not an entrepreneur, but you're an intrapreneur, for example, if you're working at a startup and you're in sales, like I used to in tech, you are required to essentially be an entrepreneur in your own role of being gritty, finding different ways, especially when you work in a startup, because you don't have the path laid out for you. You're kind of just all figuring it out together and really understanding like, okay, what worked in the past? And sometimes it's going back to basics, or maybe it's being creative and finding new structures, new processes, whatever. Right. And just being able to look at it from a mm. high level point of view, rather than kind of like that bird's eye view, rather than being in the trenches gives you a lot more clarity. At least it has for me being able to assess it and detach from the emotions that come mm. with it of like, wow, I should have known this better, or I should have found this out sooner, whatever it may be. You can detach from the emotions around it and just be able to find truly like that sweet spot, whether it's in sales and business or whether it's in your routines, your morning routine, whatever the hell it is. Like, I think anyone can relate to that notion and that takeaway of assessing friction as an opportunity to grow and being able to detach from some of the emotions around it. Yeah, I a hundred percent. And I also want to say it is surround the failure piece. Yeah. It's, those are some of the greatest learning lessons. Like you could say that my first business failed because I closed it down, but it also didn't because we diverted hundreds of thousands of ways from going to landfills and it propelled my entire career. It gave me street cred as an entrepreneur and environmentalist and, and like got me a ton of awards as an environmentalist. I've got now four awards for that work and that those awards that got me a place on a policy council funded by the federal government like that. So there's so many other ways that there are positive things that come out of perceived failure. Also, that was a hundred percent of my MBA and cost me way less than an actual MBA. Um, and oh my gosh, there's another thing you just touched on that I was going to note that I really like. Well, I want to bounce off that with a failure. Like we think of this in a lot of different ways of even in personal relationships, like marriage, right? We think of, you know, if you had a 20 year relationship and you were married and you end up divorcing, why do we consider that as a failure as society? Because in my mind, I, I mean, I look at relationships differently. If you don't know me, I studied gender studies and media in school. It was a lot of different traditional um, norms that I broke down in those, in those learnings. And I definitely took a focus on sex and relationships and how we learn about all those topics. And it was so fascinating to, for me to realize that we place this value on things being long lasting, like forever. And, you know, you have to have the same business that you had at 21, your entire fucking life. Like how boring would that be? <laughs> So, oh my God, it would be so boring. I just look at it and I'm like, mm, and I don't, let's not get it twisted. Okay. I'm not saying that if you have a relationship that you married out of high school and you stay together all along your whole life, that that's boring or that that's 
wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it doesn't always need to be forever, whatever the case is. And it's all that, what you just described, right? All the different work that you were able to accomplish in those years of having that business is so impactful that it never, just because you closed it down, doesn't take away from its ability to be that in that moment for those years that it existed. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, and I, the thing is you're always going to be the founder of that company, whatever that company is. And I agree wholeheartedly on the relationships piece as well. Um, I also remembered what I was going to say earlier, because yeah, just because you're not with someone forever doesn't mean it wasn't a success. I've heard that people are starting to have divorce parties now, which I think is beautiful. And I, I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but like around relationships, I just think that there's, there's so many creative ways to have relationships that feel really good for you outside of just a monogamous together forever thing. And really quickly, before I forget the thing I was going to say that you noted earlier, which I liked around a high, like failure. And yeah, this, if you, you don't have to be an entrepreneur for all this stuff to apply. You can be an intrapreneur. If you are building something, whether that be a project, a initiative, whatever, all of this applies. And one thing that I really like is that it's hard to analyze the box when you are inside it. I've also heard that said as it's hard to analyze the pill. But no, it's hard to read the pill label when you're inside the bottle, um, which is kind of funny. So that's also like, I think when you're, whenever you're in it, if you're in the shit and you, you're having a setback or whatever it is, it can be really helpful to have an outside perspective. And sometimes once you've moved through it and you look back, your outside perspective, but I don't know, I, th- I think it's also something that really resonates, which is why it's so helpful for anyone to get some form of mentorship 100%. because it's really hard to see what's happening when you're in the thick of it in that moment. Like I have a business, I have two mentors that I work with right now. Yeah. I think it's so important to learn from others. I think sometimes in our society, I notice that we, and I feel like I actually went through this myself of this kind of level of hyper-independence. I think it's very much bred, especially if you live in like a metropolitan area, it's a very much, you know, a hustler mentality. If you live in like Toronto, New York, LA, all of these different big cities where you have to fight so hard to make it and it's really expensive cost of living and all those things. So everyone kind of creates this energy of like every man for themselves, which it doesn't mean that it has to be that way. It doesn't mean that everyone who lives in these cities is like that, but there's been a lot of studies recently done on this mentality of how, you know, the idea of living isn't as as potent in these areas because we're all focused on this hustling out of like a necessity to to be able to make ends meet basically which is all very fascinating but I think it has kind of created this hyper independence where we don't feel like we're comfortable for asking for help admitting what we don't know and being able to connect with others rather than look at it as competition. I think this is really hard for women as well. And the way that we've been socialized and the way that we've been pitted against each other for so long through the culture, like through the, all the different structures that are in place. And so it's really fascinating how much you can grow and evolve and get to your destination that you desire. If you consult with somebody, read a book, listen to a podcast. It doesn't mean it has to be a financial investment, but they 
there are people who have learned these lessons that are literally sharing them sometimes for free where you are able you're able to essentially skip the mistakes that they have made and are now sharing with you like it's kind of incredible yeah. <laughs> it is incredible and i mean i i think sometimes we have a tendency to go like no i can figure it out i can do it but oh my gosh why make life harder on yourself like how long whatever you're doing once again a project, a program, a full-on business, why on earth would you spend so much more time and resources trying to figure it out through trial and error when there are people who have done it and who can support you in that process? Like it is the most precious thing we have, time. We've got a limited time on this planet. And let me tell you right now, I'm so happy to sign up for a like five-figure coaching program with someone who has done what I'm aiming to do or has supported other people in doing what I'm aiming to do so that I can just go, great, let's go. As opposed to, I need to figure this out on my own because I've done that twice. Earth Pop and Terrace were both me figuring it out on my own because they're both first of their kind businesses that had not been done yet in Canada. And it was so fucking hard. It was so hard. But at the same time, you know, you just made a great point around mentors that you can have that are giving stuff away for free online. Like I've got mentors who don't even know I exist because they are, they wrote a book or it's a podcast or it's a whatever. And that is so deeply, deeply, deeply valuable. So I recommend to anyone, like, like you said, you don't have to be signing up for a full program thing, but seek out the people that are building things in similar ways to you. Even if it's in a totally different industry, as well, because a lot of the same stuff applies. And I find sometimes the most powerful lessons learned or advice I get, it's always around mindset. Always. Yeah. That's all it is. I, for a tangible takeaway for listeners, I actually recommend literally writing a list of five people you thoroughly enjoy who are accessible. So whether that's on Instagram, TikTok, or podcasting, for me, I love podcasts specifically. Obviously I am one, have been for three and a half years, but I also love the nature of this platform because you can listen to it and do other things while you consume information or entertainment or whatever, right? There's so many different types of podcasts. And so I have one that either inspire me, educates me or entertains me. I have a bunch of different ones. It's not always all self-development and all super serious. Some of it's very fun, but I have five core people that I go to like on a daily basis that I consume. And they say you are the five people you surround yourself with. So if you can get really clear on who you fuck with, basically, who you really love, what they stand for, and have really good principles who are willing to teach you, especially when they're for free, then that can help you at least give you a little bit direction on what you're consuming each day and who to turn to when you're not feeling so great. Gabby Bernstein says, if you want what they have, do what they do. And if so, you're wanting to get to a certain level in your life, Maybe you want to be an author. Maybe you want to be a successful entrepreneur. Maybe you want to run a marathon, whatever it is, right? You have to be willing to do the same habits and actions and all those things as the people that have been able to do it. And so what better way to break that down of the how than to consume from the people you literally look up to? Could not agree more. Right? I couldn't agree more. That in addition to... I think also surrounding, like creating community for yourself, I think is also deeply important. If 
Because it is a really lonely journey when you are building something, whatever that looks like for you. And it can be and creating that community for yourself, whether that is a Facebook group, whether that's a Reddit thread. Like, I mean, for me, that was creating a coven of entrepreneurs. We're now at four total. We're super small. And it's really fun. Actually, you get a lot of people being like, can I join? And I, we've talked about ways to make it ex- accessible to people. And we've, we've come up with some creative solutions to be like, maybe we'll host an event and like everyone can come. But the the core, like the text group, the Kevin text group is, it's very like, it's just the four of us, but that, and we, it is so active. Like we talk every day all of us. And some of us like dip out because we're busy and like whatever, but there's, I mean, I had an eight minute voice note to listen to this morning from one of them. And that, that started just because I went, okay, I want to connect with people who are building businesses and who are spiritually minded like me. And I sought them out. I sought them out. One of them I went to high school with and we didn't talk for like 10 years. The other one I met through a friend of a friend And the other one is also another friend of a friend. So for anyone, like create your community as well, because when you're going through things together, that makes such a difference. You share resources. You don't feel alone. And oh my gosh, do those people get you through it when you're in the thick of it? I had the biggest like calling a couple months ago when I wasn't happy with my life. I was living in Vancouver and the people I was surrounded by and just the life I was living in general wasn't super up my alley anymore. It was a beautiful time in my life and a great chapter. And I met amazing people, but I just felt like I was missing a certain connection. And when I moved to Toronto, I led with such a different energy coming into the space. And I was deciding to go all in on my dreams and all of these things that I know for me, what I woke up realizing was that I needed more friends who are also entrepreneurs. And it doesn't mean that every single one of my friends or community is they're all entrepreneurs, but I need more of it just because I needed to feel more seen. I need to have that sense of knowingness and relatability that exists. And it doesn't mean that you have to have everyone relate to everything. Not everyone can be everything for you, but to have those diversified kind of groups and communities that support, you know, your music journeys and then your witchcraft and then your entrepreneurial journey. If they, if they, coincide in any way incredible right if they intertwine amazing for me it's like I just got off an interview with Jeff from Othership and for me like Othership and sobriety and spirituality and mindfulness has all been kind of connected with that right and so being able to really diversify in what you're needing if you're feeling really alone it's probably because you haven't found the right community yeah yeah. Also, I can't wait to listen to that episode. Um, but yeah, it, it likely means that you've not yet found the right community. And there are so many ways to find those communities. Like I was just yeah. noting. And I I mean, I mean, hell, look, ask Jack, chat GPT. See what chat GPT <laughs> is. Where, 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 where are my people at? And you know what? You said something really great of like, if you, you don't have it, create it. And I think that's really beautiful too, because I've seen so many women be able to do that of like, I feel like there's a, there's a gap in X, Y, Z, and it'll be like a really niche thing. And then they find their like-minded people. And it's really cool. I think that's so awesome. And that's what I hope to do with even just building this podcast, building the not so average brand, because there is such a dynamic, we're such multifaceted humans that we are, I think we owe it to ourselves to like sift through those interests, sift through those little callings. 
I think it's so beautiful to have these conversations. It's such beautiful reminders for even myself, even though we're talking about this, I still struggle with this. I still sometimes feel that loneliness of like, how the fuck am I the only one experiencing this? And then you go talk to other entrepreneurs and then you realize that you're actually all in it together and you're all going through the exact same thing or you have in the past. I want to ask you for the tidbits of your entrepreneurial life I think I listen to women all the time of like, okay, they want to know what you do to get there, right? We just talked about do what they do. I would love for you to share maybe how you set yourself up for your day to have a really successful day as a serial entrepreneur. Ooh, this is fun. Okay. So I typically get up at six. I have a very intentional practice at the start of my day. So like my phone is on do not disturb or airplane mode from the second I go to bed until after I'm done my practice in the morning. So I wake up at six, I meditate and I journal. I reflect on five things I'm grateful for and five things that I am embodying. So like whatever that is for me that day, it's a little bit different each day, but like lately a big one has been, I'm um, detached from the outcome. I am secure. Those are the things that I'm embodying and the things I'm grateful for. And then after I do that, I'll have like a matcha. I'm on an iced matcha kick right now. I might listen to a bit of music. And then I will go outside. I get some sunlight in my eyes. I'm no Huberman, but I mean, there's there's a lot of health benefits around that. So I get outside for at least five minutes and I might either listen to a podcast or some music. Then I go back in. I do movement. I work out. I move my body for about an hour every day, whether that's like active rest day or weights like today did a full body weight workout for an hour. So I do that. And then I eat food, I shower, and then I start working. So I don't start working unless I've moved my body. I've done my mindfulness practices. I've been outside and I've eaten. And that just makes me feel sane because I'm someone who deals with um, a pretty decent amount of anxiety. And so I do that. I also limit my caffeine intake uh, to two matches a day. So that's also helped my, I can see your face. You're like, nah, but that's, that's crazy. really helped me. <laughs> it's, it's really helped me a lot because I inherently am someone that's like, I'm no, it totally makes sense. One. It's actually really fucking healthy for you. So like, that's how I start my day because I, I mean, I'm on a lot. I see a lot of entrepreneurs who like wake up, they're immediately on Slack, they're immediately doing emails. And then they're just in chaos mode all day. And it took me a long time to come out of like not doing that. And then what I'll, it depends on the day, but I I have my to-do list that I wake up to. I already know exactly what I'm tackling. I never had anything. Day Ooh, so you do that, that the night before. So you probably go to bed pretty early if you wake up at 6am and then you also have your to-do list for the next day. Cause you're set, you're actually set up from the night before in the morning routine. Exactly. Exactly. Like I know for my week, I know what I'm getting into. And then the day before I always do my to-do awesome. list for that the next day. So I've got two running lists. Cool. I've got a weekly and a daily. And I never had anything to it day of because then when my to-do list is done, I'm done. Love and that. That's it. That's so important to so know. That also, I love that. Thank you. Well, because it creates it creates boundaries. Mm. It creates also a stronger sense of um, I don't know if control is the right word, but um, I oh think it gosh, allows like almost allows room for accomplishment in your day because we could literally keep our running to-do list forever and like never feel a sense of accomplishment and I love this I'm going to implement this exact tip in my life because I know for me I can get kind of overwhelmed especially when you're an entrepreneur like you can literally be doing things at all hours of the day especially if we work online like it's a lot but 
you have to have that boundaries. And if you don't make that within yourself, no one's going to do it before for you because you're your own boss. <laughs> Love it. It's so true. So I'm happy that that's helpful for you too. Because yeah. it's back pocket. I, and I could, <laughs> oh yeah, back pocket, brain bookmark it. I mean, it's that I never add anything to have unless it's an absolute emergency because yeah, it just makes you feel, you put it perfectly, like that sense of completion. And then when my day is done, um, I mean, I'm either practicing saxophone or like, I mean, it, it totally, I'm just kind of doing my thing. Yeah. It's, but I, but that's really it. Like getting outside movement, following that to-do list. And I also make a point to connect um, with whether it's a friend or my coven girls every day. That's really nice just to have that sense of community. Yeah, that's incredible. I love that. It hits a lot of pillars that I think we all need to implement in our day-to-day of just like the levels of taking care of yourself first before you take care of everyone else, the productivity level of whatever you're doing, meaning to get shit done. And then that self-care of like the soul care, the self-care, whatever that looks like, whether it's your saxophone or time to just recharge, read, whatever, cook, and being able to also connect with others. Like I think those are some really core pillars that everyone can kind of implement into your day-to-day routine. And if you don't feel like you're hitting them, maybe you need to find a little bit more balance. Maybe it's not every day, but like throughout the week, maybe if it's hitting the fucking wall every single day with work, five days a week then maybe on the weekends you chill the fuck out and you like go the whole other direction just finding that perfect balance that works for you I think is so important to avoid that burnout that you talked about earlier a hundred percent and I will say also I have if anyone wants um shoot me a dm on instagram at the lucy cullen I have a worksheet on developing your mindfulness protocol so I call it like it is the magical entrepreneur protocol awesome that I curated that and it's, it's customizable. So if like anyone that wants it, I'm happy to share it. And I hope it helps you because, and also just know it's, this is a practice. It's not going to be, you're not going to overnight be like, Oh my God, I figured it out. Great. I would love that. (laughs) I I hope that for you, but it is a practice just keeping the best, the best that you can and like check in with yourself. Like, does this feel good for me right now? No. Okay, cool. I'm gonna go take a walk or do what, keep coming back or trying to come back to what feels good in your body. And that's an ongoing thing that we're all going to be always working with and on. Absolutely. I love it. I love this conversation. Lucy, let's leave us with one takeaway for the audience. If you had to share with someone listening who wants to pursue an entrepreneurial endeavor right now, what is one piece of advice that you would give them? Know that you can do it. I think that's the number one advice I would give. You can do it. You are the one that came up with this idea. You are the one that identified the problem. You identified a need. You have an idea for a solution. You can do it. And know that because that is the number one barrier I see with people that I talk to. Mm. And the question, babe, is not whether or not you can do it. It's well, you. It's just... It's will you and can you figure out how to get there? And figuring out how to get there is Googling, how do I write a business plan or like the lean business canvas? It's, it is taking the aligned actions to get the answers to the questions that you have. Like, how do I start a business? Do I sign up for a course, whatever? But the most important piece of advice I can give everyone is just know that you can do it. Write it on a fucking post-it note and stick it on your bathroom mirror. 
I don't care whatever you need to do to get there, to get into that headspace, because everything will feel so much easier when you are in that knowing that you're the person to do it and you're the one that can make it happen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Love it so much. Amazing. Let's let's end on that note. That feels good. I feel like it's very, very alignment with what I have just been going through. I went to an I Can Do It event in Tampa. It's literally called I Can Do It. Oh. <laughs> That's I love that's that. very that's like, great. amazing. <laughs> just the parallels and Mel Robbins. I was just going through my notes earlier and she says, you can do it, but will you? And I was like noted mm. written down in my journal. And I've been going through that process every day of the whole, I can do it kind of like embodying that you shared with your morning routine is essentially what I've been doing myself. And it's helped me overcome a lot of that spirals of doubt that I was showing earlier. So I hope you guys love this episode. I hope that you take away all of these little nuggets of information and inspiration to implement into all of your endeavors, whether they're entrepreneurial or not self-development wise, project wise, we're so meant, we're meant for so much more. And if we can learn anything from anybody, it is being able to continue growing, continue evolving and just having fun in the process. Lucy, where can we follow you? Where can we stalk you and send you all of the love? Oh, thank you so much. Stalk me, please, at the Lucy Cullen. My last name is spelled like, yeah, the people in Twilight for all you millennial folks. Um, it is my real name. I've had that question asked. The at the Lucy Cullen on Instagram and TikTok. Um, my website is lucycullen.co, where you will find all the latest things that I got going on. But what I'm really excited about and please DM me. If you listen to this podcast, I will give you a sweet discount. Uh, I have an upcoming program in the fall, the magical business launchpad. It is everything I wanted in a program before I started my first business. I have now led multiple incubators and accelerators all over the world. And none of them have what this program has. We are weaving mindfulness into it. There's meditations. There are like curated pep talks that are going to be in there. There is everything you need, templates, checklists, contract templates, like everything. So that's launching in the fall. DM me on Instagram and I will give you $500 off the program. I say, what should they DM you? Like a certain code word? Should we do like not so average if they listen to this podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Just DM me not so average. Send me your email and you you will be on the list, babe. Amazing. I will also say I'm capping capacity. <laughs> so like get in there while you fucking is, can. <laughs> get in there while you can, because like we are like creating a very customized high touch experience for the people who are going to be within Amazing. that space. And that's happening with a small group. Beautiful. So I'll have it all linked below. Yeah. Everyone, you can find me at the Not So Average Betch on Instagram and TikTok. As always, you can find me here every Wednesday at the Not So Average Podcast on all streaming platforms. Share this with a friend. Share it on your stories. Tag us. We would love to connect with you. And if you want and feeling gracious, rate and review this podcast. It helps the podcast grow organically. And as always, I love you guys. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye, guys. Bye.